We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I was like, oh good, so my birth control's on the freeway. What's up, guys? My name is Sam Dickinson. Welcome back to Don't Tell Mom. This week has been brutal. Brutal. I was so sick last week. I thought I had COVID. I thought I had strep. I got tested for both. Negative. I was like, what the fuck did I have? I was diagnosed on Tuesday with something. It's not cancer. Um, but it is lifelong. And it is terrible. I'm not going to say what it is right now. Because I talk about it next week. Because I found out. I recorded two episodes. I recorded one on Monday with Ginny. And one on Tuesday with Randall. Otis, who will be my guest next week, and it had just happened, and I just fully went into the podcast, guns a-blazing. I don't even know Randall that well. So, yeah, it's just, uh, I don't really want to get into it right now, because I haven't really processed it, um, or I'm trying to, and I feel like it's, uh, I, I just need a week to gather my thoughts, just just to decide, maybe, maybe get a joke or two in it, because right now all I can think about is nothing, it's not great, you know, it's not great, I'm sure a lot of you have some guesses, but yeah, no, it's, uh, it's pretty consuming in my mind, and I know Friday, Saturday's 4th of July, Saturday's 4th of July, people are like, what are you doing, I'm like, who's doing something for the 4th of July, like, I'll be eating a hot dog in my bed, but that's not a 4th of July thing, you know, it's more of a Saturday thing in general, so I'm just gonna, you know, we're just gonna get into the podcast, because I guess today she's awesome. Um, we're really good friends. I met her when she lived in New York. She moved to L.A. She's just, she's so funny. She's one of the smartest people I've ever met. Ginny Hogan, I'm sure you've seen her on Twitter. She's great. Let's do it. Are you feeling better? 
Um, yeah, I, on like Tuesday night when I came home, I was like, oh, I feel kind of ill. And then Wednesday, I felt so out of it. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? And then by Wednesday night, I was like, something is up. I couldn't get out of bed. You know what I mean? Like, and my body felt very heavy. Yeah, that's so scary. But my throat really hurts. And so I don't know. I thought I had gonorrhea. I told you this, right? Oh, weird. Yeah, yeah. Did you get a COVID test? I got tested for COVID and strep. And they were both negative? So I should get the COVID test and strep test back today. Well, it sounds like you're over, like, the worst of it anyway. Yeah, I was like, will I ever have energy again? I've never sat and watched 40 hours of TV. Yeah, what do you watch? That show Love Life on HBO Max. Yeah, I, I saw some of it. It's pretty good. I watched, like, three episodes. It's definitely, like, extremely unoriginal, but I still thought it was cute. I liked it, but by the end, it made me so depressed. I think it's, like, when the shows like that happen or movies, when they happen over a long period of time and you see how much people change, it depresses me for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah. How, what, what is the time period? Like 10 years? Yeah. Like 10 years. Does she end up with someone? Uh, yeah. At the end, she ends up with someone. I don't know if it's a spoiler, but she, it's really about like development of herself, but, um, like the friend goes to rehab. It's like, it gets very dark. Interesting. Does she end up with one of the guys from the very beginning? No. Oh, okay. But I thought it was interesting at the beginning of the show. They were like, in this lifetime, you'll have seven partners. You'll get your heart broken twice. I'm like, all right, sweet. So I have gotten my heart broken seven times and had zero partners. Yeah. <laughs> well, at first time I heard that, I was like, oh, shit, I've only had like four boyfriends. And then they were like, this includes one night stands, casual flings. And I was like, okay, I've had um, 19 at least. Oh, they said including those. I thought those just happened on top of it. Oh, maybe they do. Yeah, seven one-night stands sounds like a week in Cabo for spring break. Truly, yeah. But I don't know anyone who's, like, really doing that well right now. Me neither. Even people who are, like, excited to be quarantined with their partners are now getting, like, really sick of it. Yeah. Most friends I've talked to that are, like, living with their boyfriend or with their boyfriend are, like, I'm kind of annoyed right now. And I was like, it'd be more alarming if you weren't. Right. Yeah, no, that'd be crazy. I, I do think if you've been quarantining for four months with your boyfriend and you're not mad at them, you should definitely get married, you know? Yeah. You're, like, such a good person. Like, you're, like, not, like, a... <laughs> you, like, follow rules and, like... I don't know. You just... In, and I don't mean that in a bad way. It's, like, you... Yeah, very responsible in a way that's like, oh, I take ownership of things that you do and like commit to responsibilities. And I'm like, Ginny, I guess I'll just say this. Ginny, um, Ginny and I met in New York and Ginny like came up to me. I was like, you're so funny. We should hang out. And I was like, this is the first time in comedy, like a woman has ever come up to me and been so nice. And, and I'm guilty of it too. Like I just get so intimidated. I never say anything because I assume everyone's going to hate me. So I was like, wow, she's so nice. She must be like really weird. And then like <laughs> we hung out. I was like, oh my God, she's so nor- like nice and normal. And just like, I forget that people can have like communication skills. That's so funny that that was <laughs> I remember when we, Stuart and I were doing that Caroline show and you had like just moved and we were very obsessed with you. Oh, that's nice. That was the show you came up to me. I was like, wow. And it was like probably our first time doing Caroline's and you like had like an in with the booker through your manager or something. And we were just like really intimidated. Oh, that's so funny. I felt like the whole night I was like, excuse me. Hi, sorry. Um, um I, I think um, I'm sorry. <laughs> Those Caroline Mondays where there's like 30 people, it's always like, am I going to get on? Like, do they know who I am? 
Yeah, well, in LA, they have the comedy store where you like wait and try to get up, which it, that takes forever. But with Caroline's, it's not really a fun hang either. Oh, it's not a fun hang at all. There's not like a room for any comedians to hang out in. But so when you came up to me, I was like, oh, wow, you're so nice. And then when we started hanging out and then I like became friends with your friends and good friends yeah. with Gabby, who like I actually haven't talked to in a while. But she said that about you, too. She's like, yeah, Ginny's has always been like the head of everything, like captain of fencing. Is that Forensic. <laughs> what is it? Speech and debate team. It's the speech and debate team. It's called Forensics. Did you also do fencing? I fenced, like, in middle school, but that was before I knew Gabby, but I did briefly fence. But I'm not, like, I'm not, like, good at, like, boards or coordinated or anything, so I wasn't that good at fencing, but I did do forensic. Yeah, but it's just interesting to me you still haven't burned out because you went to Stanford, yeah, I, worked in tech. Like, you just worked so hard that I'm, like, I feel like I would burn out eventually. I definitely have, like, period, like, lulls. Oh, when I worked in tech before I did stand-up, it was, like, very easy, and, like, you only had to work a couple hours a day, and, like, I just went out every night. I also feel like my first two years in New York, I, like, wasn't really working. Like, I was living at my parents' house. But, yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm more likely to burn out when I, like, don't have enough to do. Like, right now, I'm feeling burnt out. I mean, it's just, like, everything has to be, like, self-motivated because I don't have any, like, actual assignments. And it's, like, really hard to just have this, like, endless quarantine ahead of me and, like, try to, like, stay motivated to do anything. That's how I feel, too. You know, every agent manager is, like, now's a great time to come up with a show idea for your show it's like oh no one really knows what post-pandemic world is going to look like and it's really hard yeah. to be like, this is my day in a life when it's like right. when is it going to be normal what's the new normal going to look like so it's it, yeah it's that's how I feel too if I have a lot I guess if I have a lot going on I'm more productive because I don't have time to think about shit that I probably should be doing yeah exactly yeah no this has been like a very unproductive time for me probably the last like month and a half I would be fine with it, except I feel like this could go on another six months and then I'll be, like, unhappy if I didn't do that much. But also, like, the nice thing is that I don't think any other, like, comedians are doing a ton. Like, maybe people with regular jobs, but, like, I don't know anyone who's, like, self-directed, like, writing a screenplay. If they are, it's not going to be a good one. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I take comfort in that. All of this stuff we're writing out is very weird. What made you switch into stand-up versus, like, from doing tech and all this shit? I had been writing this, like, blog that was, like, supposed to be, like, data analysis of my online dating. And I I just, like, started writing jokes into it. And um, that part became a lot more fun. So I was kind of writing this, like, humor blog. And then I had this job and, like, my boss quit. And I didn't have a new boss for, like, a month. And I just had, like, a month with, like, nothing to do. So I signed up for this stand-up comedy class. And then I just got pretty, like, addicted to it right away. But the weird thing is, like, I don't like, I never liked watching stand-up comedy. Like, it was never, like, a thing I'd watch for fun. And I didn't think I would like it. But in San Francisco, they didn't have any other, like, they didn't have, like, a UCB or anything. So it was, like, the only comedy thing to do. Um, And I did just get, like, very obsessed with it right away. Yeah, I wasn't a huge stand-up grump either. Like, I I remember I was at an airport, and I, I needed to do something on the airplane, and yeah. I had a portable DVD player, because, like, that's how long ago it was. Yeah. <laughs> I bought Daniel Tosh's special, because I had liked Tosh.0, and that was the only special I watched, but I was, like, crying laughing. But it wasn't, didn't yeah. make me want to be like, oh, I want to do this. I was like, oh, my God, I'm obsessed with Daniel Tosh. Yeah, yeah. I remember I was, like, very into, like, Dimitri Martin, because he's so, like, nerdy and abstract. Yeah, that's very your type. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I also like thought he was really cute. 
obviously. I've heard he's a yeller. Like, he, like, gets really mad and stuff and is, like... Oh, I can see that. It's the ones who always seem calm and end up being yellers. Yeah, the ones who are, like, very normal and nice or seem very normal and nice and they're actually just nightmares. Right. I also, like, definitely, like, saw Anthony Justin, like, once in college and, like, had a huge crush on him. And I loved his, like, one-liners. Yeah, I, the first time I heard Anthony Jesnick was on Pandora Radio. Yeah. And so it was just a small bit. And I was like, oh, my God, this guy's so funny. So I went and listened to his whole album. And I was like, actually, it's kind of, you kind of know where the joke's going after a while. You're like, uh. Right, they're so dark. Yeah, and it's just, like, everything's going to be, like, as dark as possible. Yeah, his Twitter is pretty funny, too, because he doesn't tweet often. But when he does, it's, like, pretty bold. That Michael Jackson tweet was amazing. <laughs> What was that again? It was like, I just watched the Michael Jackson documentary. I've always been a huge fan of his, but I had no idea he also made music. <laughs> That's so funny. He also had another tweet about the Chris D'Elia thing. It was so funny. Um, let me find it. He goes, someone goes, if Chris D'Elia were Anthony Jeselnik, he would not be trending. And then Anthony Jeselnik like quoted it and goes, because I, I haven't been accused of sexual misconduct. And I'm like, is he friends with Chris D'Elia? Like, I wonder at what point does he just not give a shit? I think they just, like, don't give a shit because they're, like, they can still be friends in private. Okay, here's something I really don't understand is, like, celebrities defending other celebrities. It's, like, like either you actually just like them as a person, in which case you don't really have to defend them to stay friends. Like, I feel like you'd have to be really, like, a very particular type of person to be, like, I'm only going to be friends with people who, like, will get behind me and pretend that these sexual assault allegations are false or you like think you can get something from them but that doesn't really make sense because if someone's like getting called out they're like becoming less powerful wait so who who are, are you referring to chris Lee's friends not saying anything i get or like defending him like neil brennan or whatever like what was that tweet because he deleted it he said like due process or something which is like I feel like men don't understand, like, due process in, like, sexual assault cases is just not, like, it's not that easy to get evidence. Like, there are only two people there. Like, the loose, like, doesn't work very well in sexual misconduct cases. Yeah, I hate to be, like, when I was raped, but, like, when I was raped, the woman who was on my case, like, police officer, she told me, she was like, you shouldn't, it was in Chicago, so I'd have to fly back to press charges, and she said, do not do this, even with the evidence we have. And she's like, women never win. So you're going to lose a lot of money coming back here, getting a lawyer that it's not worth your time. Yeah. And at the time I was just kind of like, okay, like it was just such a bad night that it, I didn't really want to relive it anyway, to be honest. But yeah. thinking back, I'm like, that makes me so upset to just say women yeah, I know. never win. And so it's also creepy to me when guys defend like, oh, don't call guys out on Twitter for doing creepy shit. I'm like... That's the only thing you can do. Only thing you can do. And it's and it's not like someone's taking his career away from him. He can still do stand-up. He can still have a podcast, but it, it's going to be to those people that don't care. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing with, like, Louie is, like, he still tours. He just has to, like, sell his own tickets. And, like, I'm sure he'll go back to, like, making television, but it'll be, like, Horace and Pete where, like, it's just for his fans and he sells it directly to them. Yeah, like, you can't really, like, take away someone's audience. Like, that's, like, up to each person. Like, you can just, like, give people information. I feel like he'll come back in a way that's, like, he'll have these show ideas and these scripts, but he won't put his name on them. Yeah, I can see that, yeah. If you got a script and were like, okay, we're going to have you in the show or right on the show, and you knew it was Louis, but you didn't have to work with him, it was just, like, his idea and his show, would you do it? I would absolutely do it. And, like, 
I feel guilty about it, but at the same time, it's like, I don't currently work in television and I want to, and it doesn't feel fair that like an aspiring TV writer's career should be, it's like, if I didn't take it because of him, it's kind of like, he's affecting my career negatively, especially if I like, didn't, if I took the job and didn't know it was him and then later learned. No, I agree with that too. I feel like that's what's going to happen. And, um, yeah, he and he'll need more money than what he's making to like live out. I mean, he has a townhouse in Greenwich. Yeah. So. It is fucked up though. Cause it's like, I would be able to do it. Yeah, it just wouldn't stop me. But, like, there are people who wouldn't want to do it because of that, and that's, like, very valid. And it's not fair that they would get, like, a career hit because of that. But I kind of feel that way even now with, like, COVID. Like, there are, like, TV shows holding, like, auditions in person, and they're being like, oh, if you're not comfortable coming in in person, like, you can do it over Zoom. But, like, it's so hard to get cast in anything anyway that, like, no one wants to, like, make it even harder for themselves. So it's basically just, like, if you want the role, you have to, like, suck it up and, like, brave COVID. I'm like, who is getting auditions? I'm certainly not. Uh... Just, like, the number of things you have to be okay with to be successful. And I guess, like, with Louie, it's, like, he, like, represents so much and was called out so publicly. But, like, if you're working on a TV show and you're, like, the lowest level writer, definitely someone up your chain of command is, like, doing something shady. Like, there's just, like, the whole industry is so, there's so much wrong with it that it's, like, pretty hard to just like avoid any kind of situation like that so I feel like it's like there's just like so much you have to kind of tolerate to be successful anyway yeah I mean no one's um perfect obviously and I think with I think it's good that now people in Hollywood are getting called out so hard because it's important to remember that like our jobs really aren't important yeah it's like Hollywood agents or these like producers who take advantage of girls it's like no movie is really worth that but also creative people are really fucked up and like to drink and do drugs so it gets complicated because people get fucked up and then they do fucked up things and say fucked up things and it it, because it is really is like a mix of business and pleasure you go to happy hour with people you work with but with comedians especially you're just around them all the time yeah it's so like incestuous and the the extent to which you have to like go to parties to like be successful is like very annoying and like I don't think like comedy is the only industry like that but I do feel like any industry that relies on networking is just kind of like inherently unfair because you do have to like tolerate personal behavior that you don't think is appropriate a lot of the time yeah like in the beginning when I got when I first started stand-up I started in college so it was like my senior year of college I wasn't really doing stand-up I was kind of doing it you know yeah and everyone's like, you don't hang, like, no one knows who you are, you really need to, like, make yourself a comedian, like, established, and guys would say that to me, and I was like, oh, that's just them trying to get me to hang out so that they can all try to, like, have sex, and that's not me flattering myself, that's, they try to everyone. Yeah, 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 no, that's not really, and then I think, like, I think Taylor Tomlinson does a good job of it, because she never hangs out, but she's just so good that it, it doesn't matter. yeah. I'm definitely, like, I'm bad at hanging, and, and, like, now I don't drink, so it's even less pleasant, but, like, I can tell that it, especially in stand-up, like, holds me back. People just, like, book their friends, and, like, when I was in San Francisco, it was a small enough scene that I knew everyone, but, like, in New York, there were just, like, so many people I didn't know, and I could have known them if I'd, like, hung out more, but it just was, like, so exhausting. I, that's why I feel weird in New York. I feel like I don't really have a place. It's because I started stand-up in L.A. and hung out with those yeah. people all the time, and I really felt like I put four four years 2014 to 2017 I was like hanging out all the time yeah doing all these mics and then when I first moved to New York I was doing that too but now it's just like people are starting not that I don't want to hang out with people that are just starting but it's not really my class you know you have comedy oh, totally. people you come up with and yeah. I feel kind of like yeah. well I'm not in the open mic scene because I'm just too tired to go to Brooklyn for two minutes 
Yeah. And I'm not. And you've done the open, like you, you passed open mic. Yeah. But I, but I feel the same way you do of not hanging out. And I feel like it it holds me back from not getting booked on bar shows. Yeah. I now have friends in the stand-up scene here, but I definitely don't feel like integrated into like the larger scene. Um, But one of the things I like is that all the shows just do their booking via like email and you send them a tape. And like, I know I would still get booked more if I were friends with people, but it does feel like I was able to get booked on shows where I didn't know the producers more easily than you like can in New York. Yeah. I never have a good tape. I'm like, maybe I say that I'm like, I'm never have a good tape. And then I'm like, or maybe I'm just not a good stand up. Cause You're it's like, every time I, but every time I try to get a tape, I'm like, Oh my fucking God. Or like one joke bombs in the middle. And you're like, well, that was, Oh, fun. I hate that. Yeah. yeah. Like, but whatever fuck. tape you use to get your JFL auditions you can use. Oh, I use my half hour taping. I never have like a good angle, you know, like people put these clips on Instagram and I'm like, shit, people really um, know how to angle that shit. It is, but getting clips for social media is so hard. And I went through a period of being obsessed with it and just like always trying to get more clips. And like, it does like kind of ruin the actual comedy because you're like, oh, let me figure out how I can put these jokes together for like a good 45 seconds as opposed to like actually trying to like make good content. It'll be interesting. Like, do you feel like you're definitely going to go back to stand up as soon as it's like available? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That means you like know you like it. Stand up is kind of a good way to not drink and not date because it's true. Yeah. I'm hating I'm drinking. It's like very weird. Like now that we're in quarantine and we can't do stand up, I'm just like looking back and realizing I gave it like truly like every night of the last four years. So this is like all of my twenties. I like devoted to stand up. Well, it's funny because now I'm watching, like, rewatching Friends and Sex and the City. They hang out on Tuesday nights and have game nights and all this shit. And I'm like, no one has this. Yeah. Who hangs yeah. out on a weeknight? Right. But I do, I was, when I was watching these shows, like, have I just been, like, wasting my youth on talking about my pussy? Yeah, I feel that way a lot. But I also think whatever place you were at in New York before the pandemic, you'll just go back to that. You know what I mean? Like, is, is LA doing outside stand-up shows? They probably are. I, like, haven't really seen it yet. I was thinking about doing an outside yoga class because I'm getting, like, yoga certified. Oh, yeah, I saw that. What what made you get yoga certified? Um, part of it is that, like, you can do it online now, and normally they don't, like, it's not accredited. Like, you can't actually teach if you take an online class. Um, and then because it's online, it's, like, so much cheaper. Like, my class was $400, and usually the teacher training is, like, 3000 Yeah, I, I was, you know I'm spin certified, right? Yeah, that's awesome. I feel like you were teaching exercise classes when you first moved to New York, right? No, I was trying to get certified. So I spent like $500 on this fucking certification. I applied to all these places and no one was hiring. How long did the spin certification take? Like how many hours was it? A day. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it was a two day. It was two days. I yeah. have a bike now and I like ride it on the street. And I sometimes like when I'm listening to music, which I should not do while biking, but I do anyway. I'll like do like kind of like those like fake push-ups that you do on like full cycle bikes and I'm like this is so unsafe I'm like literally like on a highway right now but it's like so fun and it makes me really want to go back to spin class yeah I used to listen to music on a bike but that is very dangerous yeah I know what do you <laughs> but listen- I have wireless he- headphones which doesn't really make it better but it like at least you can't see that I'm listening to music yeah, but if a car is honking, you should just keep, like, one ear in and one ear out. That's, like, kind of, I listen to it, like, kind of quietly. Also, there's, like, a lot less traffic right now because of corona. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, defend it how you will. I, I'm just, <laughs> it, it terrifies me. Uh, to it's sell. not good. 
that's the thing. I'll spend so much money on spin class, but I will not. I don't like riding a bike. My mom, like, she'll always be like, can I, I don't know why you spend so much money on workout classes. It's your eating. Like, that's what you need to work on. It's your eating. And I'm like, that's very true. Not that being skinny matters. I know we got in a fight with those girls on Twitter about this. Like, the girls on Twitter got mad at Jenny for a very funny tweet, which I told my mom and she laughed. <laughs> so I don't know if that was a good thing. But it's it, really a dark tweet, but yeah, it was popular. Yeah, wait, do you want to say what it was? It was like a dialogue where it's like my therapist says, like, would you rather be happy or thin? And I say, how thin? Which is great. Yeah. Great and I do it. I have like a stand-up bit about that too. Yeah, I got very mad because it's like the tweet is about me and like my brain, you know? Like it doesn't feel like my own preferences mean that I like hate other people. You know what I mean? Or something like that. Like I feel the same way. It's every girl feels this way. There's not a measure of skinny that we want to be. And there's not a measure of fat. We don't want to be. We just know that we'd rather be thin than fat. And that doesn't mean we look at other women and say, Oh, you're fat. My friend called me and was like, Hannah, I've gained 20 pounds. And like showed me, I was like, I can't tell. Granted, she carries her weight really well, but I I truly, I was like, I can't tell because I can't see it on other people. It doesn't matter, but she's feeling, terrible about herself and not because of necessarily the number but how she feels and I I just find it annoying when those girls were like wow this is fat phobia it's like actually society has been fat phobic it's like we're told as women to be as skinny as possible and so we always want to be and and the joke is that that's ridiculous yeah for another woman to be like you can't feel this way you're not fat enough to feel this way it's like yeah you're missing the whole point like I know yeah there's not a measure of fat and thin that right that's the point the joke is about how like fat public society is and like how like insane the media is and kind of and I feel the same way like you said about your friend like I never have ever had an opinion on anyone else's weight you know like it's just like so personal to everyone and like it felt very unfair that after like a lifetime of like being told that like I need to be thinner like now I'm getting criticism for having internalized that you know yeah it's such a weird that was such a weird fight to have it's just odd to me people on Twitter are going after people for I think just they're going after people for whatever they can so to use your joke that did very well I mean, I also, the thing is, like, I don't care if someone just, like, calls out a joke. It's, like, all public, whatever. But that woman, like, her comment under the joke was, like, someone needs to tell this girl that she has an eating disorder. And I was, like, okay, firstly, I'm, like, an adult woman. And then secondly, like, you can't diagnose people with eating disorders if you don't know them based on a tweet and do that publicly. Like, that's, like, so fucked up. But people on Twitter right now are just, like, trying to get mad about everything and, like, I'm, like, trying to take a break, even though I'm still tweeting a little bit, but, like, I, I just, like, who is having fun on Twitter right now? You know what I mean? It's, like, if I'm a comedian and the point of my Twitter is to, like, entertain people, like, no one is entertained, so, I don't know. No, that's how I feel, too. I was on Twitter for probably two hours yesterday, and then at eight, I was feeling so depressed, and I was, like, why am I so depressed? And I was, like, oh, I've been staring at Twitter, and yeah. it just feels like this never-ending like whose career can I ruin today? You know, it's either someone died, someone's career is over or anything Trump does. So it's so frustrating. And Chris D'Elia should not be considered part of cancel culture of this annoying. I, oh my God, that pissed me off so much. Yeah. Like what he did is illegal. Like it's not in the same category as like a racist tweet from 2012, which is like, so like people can be called out for that and like apologize for that. But like, it's not the same as being a pedophile. It's not the same because I said what well, the way I look at it too is like 
you know, making a poor racist joke is bad. And of course, yeah, fine, call someone out, but to end someone's career, like the Megan Amron thing of people calling out her tweets, tweets that she did 10 years ago, those were not good tweets. They did not make her look good. Yeah. However, she has now worked and written in many diverse writers' rooms and worked with enough people where she has established a reputation of being a good person. Right. So for people to drag these 10-year-old tweets and be like, oh, she's she's racist, it's frustrating because then on the other side, we're trying to get right-wing people, aka older people, to understand Black Lives Matter and this is where we're coming from and change their mindset. But it's like, how can we tell people to change their mindset on, and on the other hand, just pulling up someone's shit from 2000 and whatever it's like if we ideally want to believe that someone who once said racist things could then go on to be anti-racist like we have to be willing to like forgive people for things people who are conservatives are it fires them up it pisses them off because they're like see you you attack your own it's like we really got to pick our battles here but with chris Lee, i think it's different because he's currently he was doing it up until the day he got caught for sure and it's like in my opinion, much worse. And I feel like probably... In oh, yeah, it is much worse. Yeah, no matter yeah. how long ago it was, because it's, it's illegal. Like illegal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I do think that, like, people on the right are a little bit better at kind of, like, they, like, fall into line, whereas, like, on the left, there is, like, a lot of infighting. And it is interesting, the idea of, like, a collective forgiveness. You know, like, I'm white. Like, it's not up to me to, like, forgive someone for being racist. I wasn't, like, a victim of Priscilla. It's not really up to me to, like, forgive him for that. But it's also, like, they're being put on public. It's basically, like, the court of public opinion. And it is a matter of, like, if the general public is willing to, like, move on from what someone has done. Yeah, I'll be interested to see when Chris starts performing again if young girls go to his shows. (laughs) <laughs> yeah I mean I think with that it's like I don't ever want to see it again although I never really liked him to begin with um and I like wouldn't want to watch a tv show that he was on but at the same time like the information is out there and like if he still has fans like I don't think it's like my call to like talk to each of them individually and be like don't you know about this it's like the information is out there you know yeah I think one lesson that male stand-up should take from this is make sure you save your money because eventually whatever your behavior you're doing is gonna yeah I agree yeah I wonder my first thought was like I wonder if Chris paid off his house yet yeah not that I care or have any sympathy for him because he's gross but when Lucy K went down he went on comedians and cars he took Seinfeld on his boat and so when yeah. he went down, I was like, I wonder if he's going to have to sell that boat, which is like such a fucked up thing in my mind that I think about. No, it's just like a thing you're curious about. I don't think it's fucked up. But like, Louis did make that joke about losing like $30 million in one day, which I thought was like kind of like in poor taste, but also like, I think like people are curious about kind of what the actual hit is. Because like people have that cancel culture and they're like, what, what does it actually mean to like be canceled? At least like if someone tells you like the amount of income they lost, you have like some idea of what, what actually happened when they got canceled. Yeah, because when you think like, oh, Louis got canceled, it's like, oh, no, he's still doing stand-up. But you're like, no, he lost this much money in a day. And imagine how much yeah. he lost in the past two years. Yeah. The thing is with comedians, it's we say this is who we are. Like, you know, you think you know someone. Especially after yeah. show, people think they're your friends and they're like, hey, I do this thing too. And you're trying to relate to people. So it's a little hard to get on board when it's a pedophile or a sex offender. For me, I'm just like, yeah, maybe I'll find what Louis says funny, but... I just don't really trust anything he says that comes out of his mouth. And I think he's kind of gross. It's hard for me to hear him shit on groups of people because that's kind of his thing is to shit on everyone. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's like, dude, you're actually gross. Yeah. I mean, I haven't listened to any Louis stuff since this happened. And I obviously also thought he was like a brilliant stand-up. Like, Chris I never was into and like, 
would never have any interest in seeing him. And then Louis, like, I'll never probably want to see him again. But I, like, I understand why someone would. And I actually, like, I used to date this guy. And this was, like, much closer to right after Louis had been, like, me dude. And, like, the guy just, like, really loved Louis and, like, thought he was his favorite comedian and, like, didn't want to stop listening to his stuff. And I was like, okay, all I want is for you to, like, admit that he's a sex offender. You know what I mean? Like, I hate that, like, these women's, like, realities are being denied so that people can feel better about the arts that they like. And I just, like, really don't get the point of, like, defending, like, sexual predators. Like, I just don't, like, when Scarlett Johansson defended Woody Allen, I was like, what is this doing for you? Like, is it, like, Woody Allen begging her to do it or something? Like, I don't understand. I think with the Aziz story, when that came out, yeah, people were pretty, like, on the fence. Like, I read the Aziz story, and I said, it didn't read assault to me. I know that sounds bad for a woman, woman not to be behind a woman, but that was one I read, and I was just like, yeah, we've all been in bad date situations. Because that's what guys are so afraid of, right? They're so afraid yeah. of being like, I misread the situation, then this girl's going to come out and report me. And I thought the Aziz yeah. situation kind of displayed that, of like, it was a very awkward situation, and I feel bad that she didn't feel like she could speak up, but also, was it worth writing an article about it? I felt like it was like, yeah, it didn't read as like anything close to like illegal, and I don't even think I was like ever on the table. But I thought it was useful for like the collective conversation about like the way that women are like, pressured on dates and that kind of thing oh yeah i agree with that and i'm not saying as i'm just saying like yeah to prove the point that like yeah maybe you're gonna put it be put in the spotlight it's gonna be uncomfortable but i think aziz left the situation like he still got a special with netflix like he didn't get dropped by everyone people were like oh that's a weird thing but it didn't ruin his career yeah and i think that's kind of like the problem with cancel culture is that when it came out like it was like you kind of had to like pick a side where you were like I'm never going to see anything as these ever does again. Or like, I'm completely fine with this behavior where it's like, we can like live in the middle. Like I read it and I was like, okay, he, it sounds like shitty for her. Like he was shitty to her and like could have behaved better. And like, it's like emblematic of the ways that women are kind of like just generally treated by men. But it also, I don't think like, you know, going forward, the idea of Aziz having a career in the future is horrible. You know, like, it doesn't feel, it's like, it feels like it's something that we should, like, be able to talk about and, like, recognize, like, the ways in which it's, like, common throughout society without being, like, yes or no. Like, do we hate him? Do we love him? Yeah, I agree that it did add a helpful, it did add to the conversation about men treating women like shit. You know how I, I told you I texted that guy who ghosted me? Yeah, and he was, like, really obnoxious. Yeah, I texted, a guy ghosted me, classic, and I texted him, like, weeks later. I know it doesn't matter anymore, but you're a 29-year-old man. You should be texting a girl back you've had unprotected sex with, especially during the pandemic. And this is... Yeah, yeah. Basically, I just kind of told him off, and immediately he responded. was like, I didn't even see that text, but I was leaving to go back to New York. Just said all this bullshit. No apology, of course. Yeah, never. It made me feel really empowered in a way of like, right. I wasn't going to say anything because I didn't want to be annoying or crazy. And then when I was just talking to my friend, I was like, yeah, fuck that guy, right? Fuck him, yeah. And obviously yeah. I wouldn't write an article. I mean, he didn't do what Aziz did, which is like go down on her because he didn't go down on me. But um, no, <laughs> but like, you know, it's just shitty treatment. It's important we stand up for ourselves, but it's hard to yeah. do. It's not, they haven't made it easy. So I started emailing with, or he emailed me, this guy. Um, and we started sending these like long emails back and forth. He like told me he was lonely, whatever, whatever. We started writing together. We've probably exchanged like 300 emails. He like tells me I can stay at his apartment if I want. This is literally the beginning of you got mail. It is the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was so, 
there was just so much to it. Like I, I made like a sexual joke. I made like several sexual jokes that he was like responded to with like ha ha ha, which made me kind of think he was just like nervous about sexual jokes. But I feel like if you have a girlfriend and someone makes a sexual joke, you have to just bring up your girlfriend. Anyway, it turns out he has a girlfriend, um, which is like bad. But it is kind of like bad in a way that just like a lot of guys are bad. So then I like called him out because I just wanted to be like, you know what? I'm just like tired of men doing this to women. And I think it's like women don't call out that kind of thing because it is really vulnerable to be like, I got the wrong impression, you know? But like, I'm just like so tired of men acting like that. And then he just like denied it for like months and months. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I think when you call a guy out, like that's what I, why I sat on it for a while because my therapist was like, don't waste your vulnerability on this guy. Which makes yeah. sense. And I think that's when you were texting me, like, should I say something? And I was, like, in the middle of, like, it was a different situation. Yours was a yeah. lot deeper because you had, he asked you to stay on his couch. Like, that's ridiculous. It was, so, yeah. The, and then we had the dumbest fight, yeah. We had the dumbest fight about that because he was, like, it wasn't sexual. I said my couch was open. And I was, like, dude, if we hadn't met and you had invited me to stay in your bed, that would be so creepy. Like, men who are trying to sleep with women don't invite them to come over for sex. You know, like... You want yeah, to they say, do you want to come up for a drink at 2 a.m.? Yeah, yeah, exactly. No one has ever, like, come sleep in my bed. We've never met, you know? I remember you had texted me that he said, do you want to come sleep on my couch? And you were like, it might not be sexual, though. And I was like, are you kidding? What guy is, like, would you like to platonically lay on my couch? Because yeah. his girlfriend wasn't supposed to be there when you went, right? That's the other thing. It's like, he kind of, like... Even when he started talking about his girlfriend, he made it sound like they weren't that serious and that she, like, didn't like coming to visit him and that he, like, didn't know where it was going. And then the next day, shit starts shutting down for COVID and she's, like, made plans to come stay with him indefinitely. But the other crazy thing is, like, before I'd even gotten there, we already had plans, me and him, for all three days that I was there. It's just odd to me when guys go out on such a limb for a friend it's, it feels like such a way to protect yourself against, like, anything. You can make it and push it as far as you want. It's like, no, I told you we are friends. I take things personally, like, with this guy um, who has a girlfriend. Like, I, like, the whole time was like, what is wrong with me that he thought he could act like this? Whereas I think guys, like, if a woman is shitty to them, are more likely to be like, well, that girl sucks. I'm just going to move on with my life. You know how we told our one friend in L.A. how we told yeah. her to text that guy? Oh, yeah. What happened with that? She did text him and he did not respond. What the? That's so crazy. But I also think sometimes guys, like, if they feel rejected enough, they just bounce. So, like, it's not even necessarily that, like, the analysis was wrong and that, like, it's like he might have been very interested and then just, like, had felt rejected and therefore lost interest. Also, like, if she is truly not in touch with him and hasn't been for months, he could very well, like, have any girlfriend or something, you know? Yeah. But now you're, you're, so are you dating this guy? Like, are you guys officially dating? We're not officially dating. Um, I am very scared of like jinxing it, but it, I think it's going well. I don't know. It is You've weird. You've been though, on a lot of dates. How many dates have you been on? Probably like eight, nine, like eight, nine dates. That's a boyfriend, right? Yeah. I'm really trying not to jinx it. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, eight, nine dates. When's the proposal? Yeah. <laughs> eight, nine dates is like, probably the longest I've been thing I've been in in a minute I guess I've never had this but I imagine or I thought I had this with Whitney but it like wasn't you know it was whatever it was bad but when you're like falling into a normal relationship of like oh this is yeah. what actual dating is and you're like something's wrong here it's like very normal and it just yeah like I just feel un and I kind of told him that I just like feel unsettled and have like 
trust issues and it's not related to him at all because he's like very consistent like there's never been a time where he's like said he's gonna call and didn't call or like he's like never bailed and like I'm just so unused to this but it's like it's very normal and like very adult we just like make plans and then we like have dinner there's like no conflict and it's not stressful and like that alone gives me anxiety because I'm like what something's gonna drop no I do that where I'm like okay this is going fine and then I just sabotage it because I'm like this is weird it's like stop you why do you like me yeah true I do feel like I have like and every time I like talk about it with someone they're like don't sabotage it I can tell you're like just about to and I like it's really yeah I'm like just I don't know it's it's unsettling but I think I am like getting into like a you know, in like the beginning of dating where every date feels like a test and you're like, okay, well, this is just a new chance for them to decide they don't like me and then like to break up with me. I think we're getting into the point where like, if we had one date that was like not fun, it wouldn't be like, I don't think you'd like break up with me. I think it would just be like, that was like one, we were both like in a bad mood or something. It's kind of like the level of a game. It's like the first yeah. five dates. It's like one bad date, you're out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah totally. When yeah. you're like in the first 10 dates it's like okay one time okay let's two times you know you get like the extra yeah. every yeah. five dates yeah exactly yeah but I really like I never make it that far because I sabotage I'm like something's gonna go wrong or I'm gonna start liking this person yeah. I also realize I like have a huge spark up top like I got a matching tattoo on the first date or like yeah <laughs> I like I that. married my ex-boyfriend in Vegas on the first date. Like it was like yeah. get very yeah. crazy, I guess. Not crazy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And no, it starts off fast. Yeah, it starts out very fast. So by the third date, we're like, we've already done everything. Yeah. I've been holding out for sex, but it's very hard for me to like develop a relationship with someone. I feel like it takes me I have to be friends with them for like three years. And then in the middle of that, decide I fall in love with them and then like lust after them for another six. Like it's never like a normal pattern. Yeah. Yeah, no, I really, I, like, was so tired of dating, and I was like, maybe I'll see if one of my exes, like, wants to get back together. <laughs> like, just any of them. Um, but, yeah, uh, I mean, I feel like that's the quarantine mood. Yeah. Do you, but are you, like, going on dates regularly now, like, in Virginia? No, I'm not. It's hard because I'm in my parents' house, and I'm sure they'd let me go on a date. Like, it wouldn't be, a, they'd probably be so relieved if I went on a date, but... <laughs> thought of like asking my parents if I can borrow their car to go on a date feels like not worth it at 28 yeah but I feel like you can also just get a guy to come pick you up the issue is I live in Chantilly so any guy who lives out here has a sleeve of tattoos and four guns (laughs) but I do want to go back to New York so I can date but that feels like a dumb reason but I feel like dating is like one thing you can actually do in this now because it's like you it's small enough you know what I mean like Totally. Yeah. So this like man that I started seeing, like the fact that it was in quarantine kind of made it nicer because like we did have to like talk a lot before sex and like even before like touching and like we got COVID tests and stuff. And it just like it kind of felt like, yeah, like I definitely don't expect to like sleep around in quarantine. So it's like if I'm going to sleep with someone, it's going to be like something like very premeditated and like that I really want to do. And that kind of made it nicer. Yeah. Well, they say you're supposed to wait six weeks before you have sex with someone. In quarantine? No, no, no. Just like oh. <laughs> in general, like dating, so that you know if you actually. Six like weeks? Them. Yeah. I was like, that's bonkers. I also like, I feel like all those rule 
girls are kind of like based on the idea that women don't like sex, which is just like not true. Like I very much wanted to have sex with him because I was attracted to him and I didn't want to like, it feels like, why would I deprive myself for the sake of like playing a game, you know? Yeah, exactly. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm holding on the third date for who I did that once with a guy and I show up, first of all, we're in the same outfit on the third date. <laughs> really, we're both wearing these varsity jackets with blue jeans, white t-shirts, and white Chuck Taylors. He was, like, skinnier than me, but he was blonde. It was, like, the weirdest thing. So it was the third date. This guy, we're matching, sitting at this bar. I'm, like, I already decided I don't really like this guy, but he was, like, nice. So he tells me that his sister has, like, this really rare disease. And it was very sad. It was a very sad story, but, like, a lot for a third date. Yeah. When you're matching with someone, it just was, like, like, a lot. (laughs) I didn't know what he to sort say. of read the room with the varsity jackets. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I like took off my jacket. I was like freezing. I was like, I just can't. Yeah. And then we went to Jumbo's clown room, okay. you know, that strip club. We went to a strip club in LA that was right next door to the bar we met at. And like so I was, he was like, why do you want to go to this? I'm like, I've I've heard Jumbo's cr- clown room. It has the best strippers and they're like very yeah. good. And I've always wanted to go. So I was like, can we just go? It's right here. And he thought that was so weird, but I was like, you're so boring that this can make it fun. And then we went back to his place and hooked up. And he had the smallest penis I've ever seen in my life. Wow. <clears throat> Which makes sense. Because um, <laughs> he had my jacket. <clears throat> so I had to leave in the morning because I booked a 615 Barry's boot camp class. And they charge you $25 if you don't go. Yeah. So I had to take an Uber at 4 a.m. So I was like, hey, I said this before we hooked up. I said, hey, I have to leave at 4 a.m. because I have a workout class that I cannot miss. And then we hooked up, and then I was like at 4 a.m. I was like, hey, again, thank you. I got to go because I have this. Oh, my dad's here. Hi, I'm recording a podcast. Hi. <laughs> Did you notice me jump? Um, <clears throat> I'm sorry. Yeah, boot camp. <laughs> I'm, I have to go to this boot camp. Then never, never spoke again. I texted wow. him, hey, thanks. Like, that was fun, whatever. Nothing. Got no response. Did you want to see him again? Not like, really. Because I think sometimes guys can tell. You think? If, if you sent him a text that wasn't explicitly, like, let's hang out, or, like, are you free on this day? Like, he might have thought you were just being polite. I just remember, like, crying and, and being like, I don't even like this guy. I just, like, hate my life. Which is, like, I so have bad. had that, yeah. I've definitely cried over guys I had, like, no interest in. It just gets to be so much. If it's just, like, one right after the other, like, it's just... I know. I don't know many girls who are like, oh, it's so easy to date, you know? Like, I agree. Like really, really, like, supermodels. They'll be like, it, like, the hottest girls I've ever seen in my life. Not that we're not the hottest girls ever, but you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter. You think, of like, oh, if I looked like this, would he call? And it's like, no, if I looked yeah. like this, I wouldn't be talking to this guy at all. I also think it, like, has a lot more to do with just, like, people's, like, flexibility and, like, kind of willingness to get along with, like, a variety of people. Because, like, the, like, women I know who are always in relationships are, like, it's more that they're just, like, down. They're they just, like, like being in relationships and are kind of, like, willing to, like, accommodate someone. And, like, I feel like I'm looking for something really specific and, and you are too. And if, like, a guy doesn't have it, it's, like, there's no point in trying to make it work. I feel like I give guys good amount of chances, though, but maybe it's pretty obvious. I just don't like them. I'm pretty bad at, like, pretending I like someone. I think a guy can tell if a woman is trying to be interested but isn't actually. 
Interesting. I, it's funny because like that to me feels like you have to be very perceptive and yeah. men don't feel that perceptive to me. But you could, I mean, you're probably right. It makes sense. I think like, yeah. If it's like a guy you've been like going on dates with, like a guy at a bar will like sit on anyone and be like, of course that girl's into me. But like, I feel like a guy, like if you have like a long conversation, a guy can kind of tell if you're like fake laughing or not, you know? I know. When it used to be like, you never laugh at my jokes. And I'll be like, <laughs> so I didn't, sad. I truly just didn't know they were jokes. <laughs> That you were just speaking. Yeah, it can be hard to tell. I mean, George did a that's what she said joke within like the first 10 minutes of meeting him. Oh no. Oh my god, Jenny. I was like, <laughs> I I, um, I need to leave. It's not good. It was yeah. bad. Yeah. Like after things end, you go back to like what the things you forgave and you're like, no, that wasn't okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think if, if you can own up to the fact that a bad you said joke is really bad, then it's okay. But just making one is like, wow, that's brutal. But then right after that, I found out he went to, he was homeschooled. Right, right. Did you lose your virginity in high school? I did, yeah. What about you? Did you lose it in high school? I lost it in college. Yeah, did you I just didn't know where people lost in high school. In my house. My parents just like weren't home during the day. It was like, my senior spring, I don't, it, yeah, it was like, there, we just had like free time during the day that we would like go to my house. That's so funny. I was always, yeah, people were like, you didn't lose your virginity in high school. I'm like, where the fuck would I have lost it? My mom's like over yeah. my shoulder all, the whole time. Yeah. Did you tell her when you lost it? Like, did you call her the next day? No. And <laughs> to this day, she like still thinks I'm a virgin. Not really, but like, <laughs> in her yeah. mind, I am. We've never talked about sex. That's so funny. Because you're uh, you talk about sex a lot. I know it's one of those things where I'm just I just get off stage and she was like yeah. well you look pretty up there <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny yeah I never like dissect my material with my parents after my dad's only seen it once yeah it'd be <laughs> a weird thing to be like so is that joke true it's like well do you want to know yeah <laughs> I think my parents have just decided that everything that comes out of my mouth is a total and complete lie yeah, I think it's, like, easier for parents to think that, especially, like, when you're doing stand-up. Because I, I kind of wondered that about Nikki Glaser's special with her parents there, and they're so supportive, and it's nice. But I'm, like, she yeah. talks pretty hardcore about, like, sucking dick for, like, 25 minutes. Right. And I get sad, yeah. but I would have a hard time, like, looking out in the audience and seeing my dad's eyes and me being, like, you know when your cock's just, like, down your throat? I'd be, like, yeah. I just, like, wouldn't be able to do it. yeah. I mean, I, I guess, talk uh, vulgar, and it's easier on Twitter because I'm not saying it and, like, making eye contact yeah. with people. Right. Um, I, one of my, like, weirder first dates, um, I went on a first date with this guy who was, like, he wasn't, like, bad-looking or boring or anything. He was just, like, extremely strange, and, like, I could just, I don't know. He just seemed like someone who just didn't have, like, normal friendships. And he said that, like, the, um, he was, like, did you see the latest Nicky Blazer special? And I was, like, no, I haven't seen it. And he's, like... It was so great, and it was just like really cool to like dive into a world that I like didn't know anything about and, and get a new perspective. And I was like so confused. I was like, "What was it about? Like, was she like talking about like rocket science? Like, I just like don't know what. Why would it be like a whole new world?" And then he, I was like, "What is it about?" And he was like, "Oh, it's all about sex." And I was like, "Oh my god!" Did you go out with him again after that? No, I mean I didn't dislike him. He was just, like so strange. Yeah, I feel like you have put in, like, good work of dating of, like, this is what you want, and this is what, like, the guy you're dating right now, the way you've described him to me, it feels like what you've been saying you're looking for. It really is, and that's, like, another thing that makes me nervous. 
But that's good. I mean, whether or not you get married or eventually you break up or whatever, it still will be a good dating experience. I feel like dating and what it is now, it's it's nice to remember that healthy relationships. Yeah, it's true. He's like very nice and like very respectful. And that already feels like different from so many other guys. Yeah. And my friends tell me it's the guys I pick. I said that to my friend Kylie. I said, she, I was like, I don't know, maybe it's me. Maybe I'm picking the wrong guy. And she just looks at me and she goes, of course it's you. You pick the worst fucking stuff. And I was like, what? Like who? And she was like, Tony. I was like, you didn't even meet Tony. She was like, the way you described him. And also his name is Tony. Yeah, like, Tony's like, yeah. <laughs> what kind of grown man goes by Tony Anthony grow up you're 29 but even if you were to say like what are you looking for I physically have no idea like I don't care but you also do have really bad luck with guys who seem normal well I don't want to say his name but like an open mic stand-up comedian in New York who like everyone thinks is very conventionally good looking and you were having a really good time with him and then like he just did something really insane during that. You can get the car, whatever. But like that, like came out of nowhere. Like I never would have predicted it with that guy. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's just really bad luck. Yeah, it seemed to be going well. Like you like text me, like oh he likes me, you know, and I could tell, and it was nice. Yeah. And then, yeah, while we were having sex, he just started choking me and said, "I'm gonna murder you." Mm-hmm. And I was like, throw him off me, and I was like, wait, what the fuck did you just say? And he goes, no, yeah. what? Sorry, I like blacked out for a second. Oh my God, Which is that's like the scarier part. Yeah, that, that's like his like internal desire. And then we like talked about it for a while and he was really apologetic. And I was like, okay, I just need like a little break. Like I just need a week break. Yeah. You know, just, I need to like digest what the information. And when then when I met up with him at the end of the week to be like, okay, like maybe we can go out again, but like let's wait to have sex again, pretty much is what I was yeah. saying. Yeah, yeah. And he had a girlfriend already. That really, like, came out of nowhere because he didn't seem like he had any, like, craziness under, you know. But you just never know. That's the thing. It's, like, you just can't tell from, like, seeing him around. Yeah, but you that's know, the thing he, with women, right? You know, we'll always second-guess our own, like, sanity of, like, maybe yeah. I did something wrong. It's, like, oh, no, he just threatened to murder me while he was inside. Yeah, I, Do you ever wonder, like, if guys ever say that about you, like, you're the weird date? For sure. I mean, I think, like... I think that probably when I'm not interested in a guy, I'm still giving off the impression that I'm interested. So, like, I definitely can see guys being like, I really thought she was interested. Because, like, I, like, ask a lot of questions on dates, and, like, I feel really awkward not, like, with silences. So I'm just, like, trying to fill them. And, like, I don't know. I think that I think a lot of guys, like, not that I break up with people all that often, but, like, I think after, like, three dates, if I break up with someone, he usually, like, hasn't seen it coming. I just don't take dating that seriously, and I think I need to start doing that. Yeah, I think if you start looking for someone who's, like, exactly what you want, like, then, and then don't just, like, agree to go out with anyone on, and so, like, really, like, try to figure out ahead of time if they might be looking for the same thing. Yeah, um, but I don't want to be seen too crazy, but at the same time, like, I'm really, like, actually, I'm looking for a relationship, but there's no way of non-crazy to say that. I think you can just say that ahead of time, like, and it doesn't have to be, like, it, I agree that it, it, it'll, like, the problem is, is it will put off guys who are, like, commitment phobic, and a lot of those guys are, like, cute and fun, and you still kind of want to go out with them and think that you'll, like, change their mind, but, like, you won't, so it's better to just, like, truly only go out with guys who also are at least, like, open to the idea. I also feel this pressure of, like, is this thing of, like, I am proud of what I do, but it's always awkward, like, telling guys I'm a comedian because they're 
they've obviously never heard of me. So then there's like this level, I feel like in the first, when they find that out, like the first hour, they're like trying to figure out if I'm funny. I hate that. Yeah. But like, I, it's like, I can't be afraid to make jokes in conversation. Like it's not what I want to do. It just feels like this weird, like they're waiting for me to do a bit. And I'm like, oh, can we just like get to know each other? That's what I hate. Yeah. yeah. Were they yeah. trying to do bits? Oh, they're even worse. Even worse. Okay. So how I end this usually is, um, yeah, it's a story that you don't ever want your mom and dad to know. I wouldn't want them to know I like had sex in the park in high school like in like a park in Scarsdale which is like a very like Scarsdale it's like in Westchester and it's like a very pristine suburb where like truly like it was a really small park for one thing it wasn't like Central Park where you could like actually be like hidden somewhere like it was like a really small park for the train station and it was with my high school boyfriend who like had grown up in this small town and like if like an adult had walked by there was like a 30% chance they would have known him like just, like, both of our parents were home and had been for a while, and we, like, really wanted to have sex. We, like, had sex in the park. Um, and it was pretty gross and, like, not good sex. And the whole time I was just like, can you hurry up? And he was like, I'm going as fast as I can. And no one ever found out, though. No one ever found out, yeah. I think it would have been a lot worse for him, especially, like, for his parents, because, like, it could easily have been, like, one of their family friends, like, walked by. I mean, was part of it the reason why I was so hot is because of the rush of maybe someone walking by? I think he just really wanted to have sex. And he was, like, kind of pr- pressuring me into it. But it wasn't, like, like in high school or, I guess, like, early relationships, like, you don't know. I feel like I don't look back and think of him as someone who pressured me into sex a lot. But, like, you just, like, don't know enough about sex and you, like, don't know how to enjoy it. So it, it's kind of easy to feel like you have to do it for the other person when you're, like, 17. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, at least did you lose your Nuva ring on the playground? Oh, no. <laughs> No, I didn't have a Nuva ring at that point. But I have like, had guys pull the Nuva ring out during sex. You have that great Nuva ring story. Have you told it on this podcast? No, I haven't. But it's funny because I ever since we talked about these fucking stories, Nuva ring has been advertised to me. And I was like, I've since Ginny and I were talking about the Nuva ring, the Nuva ring for anyone who's a man or born after 2000. Yeah, do they still the, give people Nuva rings? I don't even know. I don't know. I kept getting ads. I was like, I thought this expired, like literally. Yeah. Yeah, but it's it's like a basically like a rubber band you stick up your vagina to like yeah stop. I don't know what it does. It's yeah, like, <laughs> that is what it is. Yeah, I don't know. It yeah. ties it up and spits it out like a cherry. Yeah, um, literally. And so it was a birth control we had, and I slept with this guy. Same thing, kind of on in the back of a cab, but I was like blackout. Yeah, and we had been like hooking up all summer, and he was his name was Vance. He was very like a terrible person. And I woke up the next day and it was gone. And I was like, texted him. And I was like, did you take something personal of mine? And he was like, what? I was like, personal, very personal. He's like, oh my God, yes. He like knew, he was like, I thought that was a scrunchie up your vagina. I threw it out the window. I was like, oh good. So my birth control is on the freeway. Um, yeah. It's also like, you thought I just had a scrunchie up there for shits and gigs. Yeah. New rings are such a like unstable thing because they come out so fast. Did you have one? Yeah, I had one. I probably used the Nuva ring for like nine months or something. Yeah, it just didn't really work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Whatever. Um, okay, yeah. well, thanks so much for doing this. this is so um, fun. Do you want to plug your handle and stuff and Ginny yeah. Hogan's book? I'm Ginny Hogan underscore on Instagram and Twitter. And my book is Toxic I'm in, me in the Workplace, and it's like linked to on all my stuff. Hell yeah. yeah. And yeah, Ginny yeah. is like the OG Twitter monster. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.